It's time now for the Sports Objective Podcast. No talking heads, just guys who love sports. Here's Dave Richmond. Welcome into the Sports Objective Podcast, our weekend podcast, and hanging out with me is my, my fellas. First, Kyle from the Grange Barber. How are you? Going, on, Dave. Sick of, uh, sick of COVID 19. I don't know about you, Uh, very sick. If there's anybody, everybody knows my day job and you know why I'm sick. Uh, not, uh, that's figuratively, figuratively, not literally. Uh, Bubba Rosenbaum, how are you, man? Doing well, guys. I'm just like, just like y'all doing everything you can to stay healthy and stay home as much as possible. I do try to get out and get some exercise and other than that, no, a lot of family time. Guys, we have uh, a very special show, and I, I know Kyle's going to give me a hard time. Every show is special, um, but um, they always seem to turn out great, whether we mean to or not. They, they turn out pretty well. Um, but today, we're uh, it's going to be a great show, and Bubba, tell, tell everybody the guest. Yeah, we'll have uh, Trent McGee uh, from the Chamber of Commerce in Greenville, and also 94.3 The Game. Um, of course, we caught up with Trent a lot last fall on their post-game show on 94.3. Um, the no quarter post game show, and then um, obviously wanted to talk to him now. Him being involved with the Greenville Chamber of Commerce and talking about how the coronavirus is impacting businesses in the Greenville area and throughout East North Carolina, and then uh, also um, we catch up with Mr. Jennings. Uh, Mr. Jennings was a All American at East Tennessee State in basketball back in the late '80s, and um, we also had an opposing coach that he played against back in those old SoCon days. Uh, and the Southern Conference was such a tremendous basketball league in those days and uh, a guy that we're familiar with with Pirate Nation, Matt McCarthy, joins us later on in that conversation. Yeah, we, we kind, of, kind of interesting. We, we, we were supposed to interview Coach Mack and the times just kind of overlapped, so we ended up having them both on the line together for part of the interview and uh, I don't know guys, I think it was uh, I think it was one of the, 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 better, uh, the better moments we've had here on the podcast, at least from our standpoint, just sitting back and listening to them talk to each other. It was great. It was like a, uh, certainly you'll hear it uh, in a little while, but a family reunion, more of the second half of our show, if you will, and uh, definitely you need to listen to that. And we'll get to uh, Trent in just a few minutes. Guys, uh, certainly uh, we're trying to, hopefully at some point, um, gentlemen, we'll get back to uh, sports, but I'm going to throw this out to you right now before we start our roundtable on purpose, and that is, are you binge-watching anything? What are you watching now on TV, movies? Are you doing stuff around? I know Bubba, he's uh, got a honeydew list of the size of a <laughs> skyscraper right shoot, shoot, now. My, my, my honeydew list has everything to do with sanitizing. I, if, if I never hear Stacy um, spray your shoes with Lysol or to wash your hands, it'll never be, uh, it won't be soon enough. Hey, Kyle, I can see this right now. Next week, Bubba's going to have to walk in the house with a hazmat suit. So There you go. Yeah, well, <laughs> i I tell you what, I, to be honest She with probably you, has I'm, one on the way for me. Every time I talk to Bubba, he's out doing something. So, I, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I blame her. Kyle, are you bench-watching anything? Uh, not really, man. Um, I, uh, I've been on my phone pretty steady, uh, playing, on, uh, playing around with YouTube and on Facebook and Really, uh, it's almost like with this with this coronavirus that you know I have to consume as much information as possible. Not that I can control it in any kind of way, but it seems like while I'm driving myself crazy with constantly keeping up with news, it's almost like it's it's a way I can keep in control. If that makes any sense at all, so uh, I, I've been doing that a lot, and then 
And, you know, when I get tired of that, I'll, I'll flip on a YouTube video. I did uh, a WNCT and ECU did present the 2007 East Carolina North Carolina game on WNCT today. That was fun to watch that to see some pirate football. Ben Hartman still made the field goal, guys. It didn't change. We still won. Uh, so uh, that, that was fun to watch. And I would suggest that WNCT and ECU keep that up um, and keep showing games like that. I would imagine the ratings are going to do pretty well. And I'd love to see a lot more games uh, shown um, on WNCT over the next few weeks. And, you know, hopefully this crap ends. But, uh, you know, I don't think it's a bad idea for some of them to do during the spring and summer to help with season ticket sales under normal situations. Yeah, hard to believe that's been 12 and a half years. Yeah, I know. That's what I was saying. I, I rounded up just to 13 years. But, it, you know, it seems like it doesn't, Bubba. It, you know, I, I remember standing in that stadium when that moment happened like it was yesterday. But then when I think about all the things that happened in life, you know, forget just ECU football. I mean, God Almighty, the things that have happened with pirate football and ECU athletics since then. But just in life, all the things that have changed. And it, it, in a way, it seems like 13 years. In a way, it seems like yesterday. Guys, just in the last two weeks, things have changed so much. No, you're um, kidding. Yeah, I mean, it really is amazing to think of uh, the governor in North Carolina, as a lot of people know, people listen outside, but uh, has, has pretty much a 30-day stay at home. It's uh, There's still going to be uh, essential businesses open. A lot of people know about that. But uh, one thing that comes to mind, we can put this in our roundtable, guys. We'll shift gears a little bit and have a little bit of COVID-19 part of our roundtable, but uh, the fact that uh, President Trump could, uh, I know, Kyle, you saw it, I saw it, it popped up on my phone, well, I guess it was about the same time, but uh, the fact that potentially, I guess, New York, New Jersey, and some parts of Connecticut could be under martial law, is that correct? Yeah, he didn't use that term, but federal lockdown, a force, uh, enforceable federal lockdown, that's martial law, I don't know what else would you call it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, New York, New Jersey, and uh, I guess part of Connecticut that kind of borders um New York, right. you know, it's not very far from New York City. I guess maybe the Stanford, Connecticut area. Um, I, I'm not WWE like area. I, yes. So I'm assuming that's the area they're talking about. Um, I, yeah, under uh, under well, you might as well call it martial law. I, you know, I you hate to see it in the United States of America, anything like that ever happening. But I think desperate times call for desperate measures, and uh, I really think that area needs to be locked down. Um, I, I think flights out of JFK and LaGuardia. In Newark, all three need to be canceled. Um, I, I think the, uh, the potential yeah. there is just ridiculous. And, you know, to the point where uh, travel needs to be restricted in and out of the city um, and that area in general. I, yeah. mean, I, I think it has to be done and uh, for the safety of everybody. And um, I heard that they're going to be uh, they're in the process now. And you, you, you know, you scary thought. You hope it doesn't get this bad anywhere else, but they're uh, – they're in the process of they're going to dock a um, a navy uh, a navy medical vessel, I believe the Mercy. Uh, it's going to be docked in uh, New York Harbor uh, to, to create another hospital. Um, so uh, it's it's crazy up there. Thoughts uh, to everybody, man. Here here in America, there's a lot of people in North Carolina. I think there's more people in North Carolina suffering from it than we know of. But uh, anyway, um, but particularly right now as we speak, New York City. In other major metropolitan areas, it's getting bad. Well, I hope that, yeah, I hope that the one thing is, I was telling you guys, uh, I know I was talking to Kyle earlier uh, today, being Saturday, The basically what it comes down to, the, the next uh, few weeks are critical, um, and everybody says, you know, it's such an easy thing to say, but it looks like, I know Kyle, we talked about 
early May for New York City peaking. But if everybody in North Carolina and our where we are, uh, all three of us are between Bubba in the western part of the state and then Kyle and I are in the eastern part of the state, if everybody in the Tar Heel State will do as the governor's asked and stay home. We don't, we don't home call the it that, Dave. Well, it's still the Tar Heel State. We're not the Tar Heels, so don't worry. The Pirate State. Okay, this will stay to mind. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, and I'm the last person, but we won't go there about Tar Heels. But anyway, the uh, the thing about it is right now, just uh, everybody stays home. I mean, I'm staying home more than I ever I ever do. Um, I haven't done anything today that's unlike me, but I'm trying to do exactly what um, needs to yeah, be you, done right now. Yeah, you, you can get some riddling sometimes the way you're always doing crap. Um, I... Uh... <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, that's what needs to be done. If you if you can stay home, stay home. Um, that's the way to keep it from spreading. You know, Bubba, I know that you wanted you had something you were talking about as well. Uh, a really big thing going on right now with no sports at East Carolina has been tough, but there has been one good thing that came out of it. Absolutely, um, Kyle brought up the classic rewind that WNCT was doing in conjunction with East Carolina Athletics, and um, that was sponsored by ECU Positions. And so something else very cool that the, the athletic department is doing during these tough times um, where we don't have tired athletics, and they have uh, social distancing sponsored by Suddenlink, hosted by John Gilbert, director of athletics, of course. And um, so the very first one, we had um, head track and field coach Kurt Kraft on, Amanda Barnes-Moore from lacrosse, and then also Cliff Godwin. Uh, that one was very entertaining. The second one, they had a student athlete, perspective with Holt Naylor's, Jaden Gardner, and then also um, and the name is slipping my mind, but also um, it's, she was our goalie for uh, for soccer. And then the most oh, recent... Oh, she had a great personality, too. Yes, um, she, and she was down somewhere in South Carolina. I don't know, maybe it was Charleston, but... Um, no, it was a, um, uh, like Sunset, South Carolina. Yeah, Sunset, before. Sunset. And then most recently, um, Coach Houston and then um, Donnie Kirkpatrick, offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, Blake Harrell, and that one was very entertaining. And, I missed that one. i got to go check that out. Well, and, but the very but first it came question, out yesterday, I believe. Yeah, it was either yesterday or um, or this morning, but Donnie Kirkpatrick, he answered the very first question John Gilbert asked, was just where you're uh, taking part in the Zoom conference from. And he said um, – on the beach in Hawaii, and then he started laughing. He said, oh, man, "I better better uh, mess up." He said, "I don't want Coach Houston mad at me." <laughs> <laughs> no question about it. Uh, those have been really good, and you know, I have to give a shout out to Ryan Robinson and Gilbert and everybody there at the uh, direct the athletic department because their social, uh, their marketing, and social media. And these kind of things they're doing has uh, been awesome. It's a great way to still for fans to stay connected to the program, especially um, I remember guys during to the back in the, in the 2008 2009 years when the financial crisis we had in the, our country, and I heard a gentleman say, "Then tough times brings breeds creation and innovation." And uh, for us, uh, I think that's been true for the podcast, but also for the other members of the media. In this particular case with, uh, with Pirate Athletics, where they have a, a great program called Social Distancing, I think that's something that I hope they keep. Uh, maybe they change the name, but certainly um, once we don't have to social distance anymore, um, however long that'll be. It's funny you talk about that, the creation and innovation, and, and we talk about it, you'll hear with Trent. Thanks, it'll be 
this, it'll still be used. And I was talking to my wife Jessica earlier, and uh, she said this is done in some metro areas. But I don't, you know, you guys are pretty Charlotte. I don't know if you do this, but uh, you know, for now on, is is now everybody's going to be familiarized with e-learning. Uh, when there's a snow day or hurricanes, uh, you know, well maybe not a hurricane because chances are powers out. But when there's a snow day, uh, you know, why not just work from home and, and go online and have the kids, you know, do e-learning? That way the days don't have to be made up. Yeah, our uh, school system, Rowan Salisbury Schools, we've prior to all this uh, in the last couple weeks, we had already had two e-learning days this school year. So um, that has certainly given us a little bit of an advantage. Believe me, there's still a ton to work through, but uh, compared to some school systems, we did have a little bit of a leg up. No doubt. You guys ready to go to our first guest? Yeah, let's first um, go to that conversation with Trent McGee from 94.3 The Game and also marketing and communications with the Greenville Chamber of Commerce. Well, if you're you're listening to Pirate Football back in the fall, you definitely heard this guy. You can hear him, obviously, during the week on Talk of the Town, right, Bubba? Of course, from 94.3 The Game, and then also he's with the Greenville Chamber of Commerce and with marketing and communications. Welcome in, Trent McGee. Hey guys, how are you? Welcome right. back, man. How are you? That's good to hear your voice. I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I was telling you I might right be talking to you guys when it was when it was football season, but um, I know it's under different circumstances. But it's, nevertheless, it's good to hear from you. Trent, it's actually very appropriate for me because I literally just got done watching WNCT. Uh, they just broadcast East Carolina, North Carolina from 2007, so it feels normal to me to hear your voice right now. <laughs> yeah, so it's a post game show. It's a post game show. We're talking to Trent right now after. UNC didn't beat East Carolina this time. That's right. Kick the field goal last second to win it, baby. That's a classic game. Indeed. No doubt Shout about it. Shout out to the North, North Davidson Black Knight, Ben Hartman. <laughs> Indeed, yes. <laughs> so, uh, Trent, let's talk to you. Uh, I would say it's a happy time in Greenville and certainly in Pirate Nation with the East Carolina beating North Carolina in 2007. We've had many great memories over the years. We're going through a difficult time. We wanted to have you on, talk some pirate football or pirate sports, but also to talk about the maybe the economic impact or how we can help the chamber and help expose in a good way some businesses and help them out. So, do you have do you guys have any idea of how much this is going to hurt the economy as far as the coronavirus well, is concerned? Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on from that standpoint and uh, and, and thanking the businesses out there who are hurting right now because there are a lot of them that are hurting, uh, you know, from restaurants on down. Um, I know there's been a lot of support for local restaurants, but small business as a whole is really hurting right now. Uh, small business retail is hurting, and, uh, you know, you're seeing the restaurants able to stay open and do carry-out delivery and curbside service and things of that nature, but the small businesses that have to close uh, because of the social distancing and, and the, the citywide order and now the statewide order is hurting them too. So I think, you know, anything anyone can do from the standpoint of just uh, staying in touch with these businesses, I think that the business owners, their staff want to hear from people to know that people are out there that are willing to help them to get the word out about what they're still able to do, if anything at all. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing we're trying to do right now at the chamber is, get in touch with our members, uh, mainly our small business members, and find out what we can do from a, uh, you know, maybe, maybe a, a loan standpoint, not to get them a loan, but find out uh, what resources they need um, and who we can get to them in touch with uh, in regards to banks and small business administration to find out 
uh, you know, what their needs are because right now they're going to need to rely on some of these loans. And I know that big stimulus package that was signed uh, a couple of days ago will help. Um, how much that will help, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I think it will cover roughly two months of, uh, you know, payroll for some of these small businesses and, and hopefully uh, take care of some overhead. But, you know, guys, I think the, the sad reality is I, I don't see COVID-19 going anywhere anytime soon. You know, I know Trump came out a few days ago and said that he would love to get the economy up and going again by Easter Sunday. And I think we all know that he said that because he wanted to uh, bring about some positive mindsets for some people. Um, and I think that's what good leaders do. Uh, they, they give you hope. And I think it gave people hope at the time. We saw the stock market numbers change at that point. But in reality, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. And these businesses out, out there right now, certainly our local businesses, are hurting um, here and statewide and really across the country. So. I think they, they just need all the support they can get. I think I encourage people to continue to shop local if they can, um, you know, and, and take advantage of people and the businesses that offer things online so people can go online and, and buy things. Um, and certainly, as, as everyone's been doing since this all started, continue to support the restaurants and get behind those guys. Because another reality is, two days and Bubba and Kyle, that I, I, I hate to say this, but I think, it's, I think it's something we have to think about. Some of these businesses may not recover from this. And they may not be able to open the doors again. And, um, you know, so we need to get out there and support them while we can and, and do all we can to keep the doors open because the local economy is going to take a huge hit. Yeah, and there's some businesses, there's really, the shame of it is, you know, that you're right. Some businesses do offer you know, maybe online services. Obviously, the restaurants, you can still order carry out. You, you, a lot of restaurants are doing curbside, you know, places that have drive throughs are open. But you take, you know, you know the obvious ones that were talked about that had to shut down Wednesday, you know, the the, the beauty salons and nail parlors, tattoo places, uh, you know, tanning bed, gyms, places like that, that there's no way to, you know, I guess maybe some places are offering gift certificates, and if it's a place you, you like, and maybe, you know, if they're selling gift certificates that you can use when all this is, is over, maybe uh, maybe go buy some gift cards or gift certificates if possible and use them in the future. Yeah, that's a great idea. I know businesses are doing that, and they're offering some are even offering gift cards at half price uh, to make it, you know, a little bit easier on the consumer to go out and make those purchases. But yeah, that's a, that's a great thought. And you know, there's so many resources out there that people can rely on and get information from to help themselves out. And, and I've had conversations this past week with a few of our members who are small businesses. Um, you know, in, in terms of uh, they, they perform some guidance on you know where to start, what they can do. And, I, you know, I think for people listening, uh, they want to know where to start. I think you start with your bank first. Start with who you bank with and then find out what they can do for you and then find out what um, loans they can provide. And some of these loans that we may see come down um, hopefully will be forgivable loans. So I encourage businesses, and I know you guys understand this, to not lay employees off because these forgivable loans, um, you don't have to pay back if you don't if you don't lay them off. So. You know, uh, I know the unemployment numbers have risen dramatically over the course of the past week, and they'll probably continue to. Um, so it's just, um, you know, jobs are going to be lost, but it, it's my hope and my prayer that, you know, jobs will uh, will come back once we get to the other side of this. When that's going to be, I just don't know. How is it affecting, you know, one thing I was curious about, some stuff is still open, you know, like plumbers, mechanics, stuff like that is still open. But I wonder, obviously, if you have a plumbing emergency, you're going to call the damn plumber COVID-19 or not. But I, I wonder if, like, you know, just things that I guess are maybe optional. Like, for example, I wanted to get 
the the trim at the top of my roof painted and my shutters painted. And, and you know, for whatever reason, because this has happened, I, I haven't gone and bothered to hire a painter. And I, you know, I wonder things that are out there that are still, you know, guys like that that do that kind of work that are still open. I wonder how it's affecting them. That's a great question. I thought about the independent business owners who who um, do those kinds of things. I, I, I would I, I think that they're still going um, as usual. I don't know if they're receiving you know the same volume of calls that they you know were prior to this, but I would think they're still going strong. But uh, along those same lines, I think there's some reservations from again people like us maybe to, to want to call them because they just don't know if one if they're going to feel comfortable coming over and taking care of a service like that. Two, um, you know, you're not going to be able to screen, you know, the people you call to see if they're healthy. And um, so it's kind of a, a risk-risk, if you will, um, when you're doing that. But I think, Kyle, to answer your question, that those businesses are still up and going. Um, I, I think some of those things are considered essential um, under the order, uh, and they can still come out and see you. But, yeah, I, I'm sure some of those, too. And you mentioned in your previous coming, you know, beauty salons, tattoo parlors, and things like that. The small businesses that we don't often think about, um, you know, that we don't always have needs for uh, on a regular basis. I think those are the ones that are really, really hurting. And I've talked to uh, numerous um, barbershop owners and beauty salon owners um, who aren't working right now. Uh, and they're hurting, their staffs are hurting, their families are hurting. And i tell you what, I had a conversation two days ago with the husband, uh, with a guy who, excuse me, whose wife is a, is a, a salon owner. And he is just taking this hard, and, and he's wondering how his, he can continue to help support his family because, you know, he has a job that is a, an essential job right now, but, you know, the income is not where he wants it to be, and, and she's not working. So, you know, keep in mind those families, too, um, who are struggling from that standpoint. Kind of on a on a personal level, from from it being a pirate, um, we, we talked on the Daily Pirate Profile to Jody Schultz, who was a – East Carolina All-American back in the early 80s, um, finished up in 82, and he was inducted to the Hall of Fame back, I think it was 99. But anyway, we talked to him yesterday, and his family has been in the seafood business up uh, not too far from Annapolis um, there on the eastern shore of Maryland. And um, just, uh, I think, what, 90 years, Kyle? So, And and just depending on the business that you're talking about, obviously certain uh, certain restaurants are more equipped to handle that kind of thing uh, like a like a chick-fil-a or, or some of the fast food places as opposed to uh in, to somewhere like where he is with, with the seafood business with a much larger menu and just different different uh different type of uh way of going about things yeah i mean i think the you know the the, the supply chains um you know some i i think some are still doing okay and, and i've had conversations with some people who haven't really been affected by any of this at all, and, and that was good to hear. Now, they're in the minority for sure, but um, you have those that, that, that supplied um, those kinds of, of, of foods. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, from an agricultural standpoint, uh, you're seeing, I, I, you know, I haven't heard a lot about how farmers are being affected by this. I know that they are, and I know they've reached out to find out what they can do to get support too. So, um, you know, everybody's being touched by this. It's not just one particular business or one particular small business or, I mean, you're talking from your larger corporations and your, you know, your biggest manufacturers on down are, are being hurt by this and being cut in some form or fashion because their business is being disrupted at some point, you know. And sports, guys, you know, has Jeez. a lot uh, to, to do with all of this. I mean, you think about, 
uh, the professional sports um, that supply concessions and things, and then the businesses maybe in, even in North Carolina and even some here locally that supply them with things that they're not able to push out. So, um, you know, the sports landscape um, has changed dramatically, as I, as I know you guys know, but um, there's there needs there as well. So, but everybody's been touched by this. Yeah, and even if some of these businesses were able, you know, and I don't think it's going to be the case, but let's just say we everything was able to open back up by by the end of April, and unfortunately, I, I doubt it. But let's just say they they could. You know, if the, the students aren't going to be here, they're, they're not going to come back then. And so, even if businesses were able to reopen in Greenville, a good portion of the population isn't there. You, you got no pirate baseball, so that's keeping people. There would be, you know, coming into town, you know, and, and going to restaurants, bars, and whatever, you know. So even if they were able to stay open without the students there, with no pirate baseball, you would have less people there. Yeah, and for so many college towns, you know, like Greenville and like others across the country who rely on uh, the students, um, you know, to, to support them uh, and to buy from them. You're exactly right. If we are able to get things back up and going, um, and I think you're right. I, I don't think it will be by the end of April. I'd like to think you'll see the wheels turning a little bit by then, but it, it's looking more and more like maybe mid-May into June. And at that stand, from, you know, at that time, you're right. That's June's going to be gone. And they're not here now. I mean, with, with campus being closed and everything being online. So, you know, all, it, it couldn't have come at a worse time. I think any time for this was a bad time. But certainly with um, the chance of businesses being able to get back up and going, closer to the end of May, maybe into June. And, you know, I hope maybe there's a chance it could be seen from that. I don't think it will be. But even so, um, yeah, and certainly here locally. I mean, Uptown Greenville is going to take a big hit because you have all the juice who are out there um, that, that that shop and that eat um, there locally that, that won't be there. Um, I know Sup Dogs, for instance, guys, is, is um, they're going to, I heard today, they're going to open back up soon, I think, and start doing carry out. Um, but you think about a, a place like that. I mean, that lunchtime for them, you know, that's where they really make their money. You know, the big crowds coming in and having lunch and even some having and dinner in the summertime because it's a great hangout spot. Businesses like that are really going to take a big hit. So, Yeah, I was speaking of, speaking of uh, Sup Dogs, sorry, Dave. I was Since he mentioned Sup Dogs, I was saying uh, everybody go on, go on Twitter and uh, and vote for Sup dogs, and they're they're going for back to back national titles um, as far as barstool best bar. So you can just go on Twitter and tweet and hashtag barstool best bar, and then hashtag uh, I think it, what sup dogs ECU. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right. I wanted to go ask uh, Trent as far as uh, I know we were talking about small business administration earlier, but from your standpoint, locally or the SBA or the different places. If a business owner is listening right now, how can they how can they find out maybe what they can do if uh, to help their business? Uh, we have people listening all over, so obviously we're talking about Greenville, but I'm sure outside of Greenville, Eastern North Carolina, state, nation, all that kind of stuff. How, what could they do to what, what avenues they can go to start applying for aid of any kind? Well, they can go to sba.gov, and that's where you want to start. And the Small Business Administration is, um, you know, guys in 20, I, I heard this stat or read this stat uh, from a friend of mine who's a banker. He passed on this morning. I think they did, oh, nice. um, they did roughly 28 um, plus billion in loans in 2019 and, and expected uh, and in 2020 with all of this are, are looking at doing, you know, 
roughly $200 billion more in loans coming up from all of this. So whether they're going to have the capacity to do that, I don't know. That's going to be something they're going to have to hopefully work out and can work out. Um, but that new question, Dave, the SBA.gov start there. And there are a number of different resources on the coronavirus uh, COVID-19 uh, page. So uh, start there. All the applications you need to click on to apply are right there. You can find out more information um, about the economic injury disaster loans they have available, uh, you know, express boost loans, things of that nature. Um, but that's where you want to start. You know, I, I'd like to say you can pick up the phone and call someone. Um, I, I think you have to be patient from that standpoint um, because it's going to be a while before you maybe get, get through to someone. But, you know, people, it's so hard to exercise patience in a situation like this. Um, you know, when everyone's hurting, uh, you feel like it, you know, you're know you on an island by yourself, but it's everyone trying to get through the same uh, resource at one time. So be patient when you're doing that. I think things will start to – things will happen. Things will – you know, people will get back to you, and, and you'll get some answers back when you're loading applications. But that's a really good resource. They're going to be um, a big-time benefit to a lot of businesses across the country. Trent, did you have a follow-up to that, Dave? Well, no, go ahead. It's fine. Um, Trent, I, I – uh, do you have any idea? You know, I, two two things I was wondering about that in my mind has to be taking a huge impact from this. Uh, one would be real estate sales. I would imagine, you know, I would imagine home buying has come to a freeze unless you were in the middle of it. And then two, um, uh, car dealerships again, big purchases like automobiles. I would imagine again, has taken a big hit, come to a complete stop. Though I've seen in the last few days a lot of. A lot of manufacturers, uh, if you can get manu- if you can get your finances through the company like GM Financial, uh, are offering 84 months zero percent interest fees right now. So that might get some people to go buy something. Yeah, and I mean, if you're out there looking for you know a new car, now's the time to do it. Um, and, and you see a lot of great deals out there. And that's if you want to call it a positive um, from this situation, I guess um, that that's one of them. But um, now's the time to buy. And and I would you know hate to see. Um, you know, the consumers not want to go out and, and, and be afraid to spend money. Uh, I know the stock market itself, Kyle, has been a roller coaster for the past month. Really, it's going up and down, and you've seen all kinds of different trends and things. But um, I, the manufacturers, um, I think they are taking a hit um, from the standpoint of not really having an anti on site to get everything done that they were they were doing prior to this. But from a real estate standpoint, they had a great 2019. It was a record year, I think, for real estate um, in 2019, um, I think you have seen that that business and that profession take a hit. Um, you know, uh, it, it, home home sales were up and were going strong even late into the fall um, of last year. I think you've seen things kind of slow down. I don't think it's dipped any at all right now. But what you're seeing is, Kyle, you're seeing a lot of real estate um, organizations have to get creative now with how they're marketing themselves, how they're marketing their business and their services to people. Um, right now um, are, are being done virtually, and what I'm really looking forward to seeing is what I'm seeing is, is how things are going to uh, be after this is over, uh, and how many things you'll see stick to that kind of business plan and do everything uh, like you've seen online. And that might not have a big impact from a real estate standpoint, but I think businesses as a whole, um, you know, the education system um, and, and how things are going to change. Uh, when we do, when that curve starts to flatten and we can't get the economy going again, how much is it going to change from how much stuff's been online and then how much face-to-face interaction that these businesses are going to have? And that's another impact, too. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, the, the face-to-face impact 
um, I think will be less once we get on the other side of this. Uh, if that's a good thing or bad thing, I don't know yet. Trent, I was going to ask you as far as uh, <clears throat> we were talking about speaking of online. One of the things I'm worried about is movie theaters uh, with AMC and Regal uh, locally in the Greenville area, and there's a whole bunch of chains across the nation. Do you think, is this going to be the end of movie theaters, or do you think this is just a little bit of a hit, and hopefully they can, I know they asked for a bailout from the government recently. Yeah, you know, I think they, they, they've, they've taken a little bit of a hit over the course of the past few years with um, with Netflix and with the different streaming services now, uh, and with the availability that, that people have to get movies, but it, it wasn't enough to where they are going to have to close. I do think you'll see some that won't survive from this. Um, and, you know, I, I, I know here locally with the Greenville Grand um, uh, and the other theater, overall Fire Tower, um, you know, I, I, I don't know exactly if, if they're going to – I think they'll open back up, um, but I don't know if this extended period of time that they're having to be closed, how much that will affect it. And, you know, I, I think with, with – I don't know if people are going to be limited in, in terms of how many people can actually go to a movie and sit and watch it now, what kind of restrictions that may be put in place um, or recommended from the CDC or from the federal government. So that's a great point. I haven't really given much thought, honestly, to the movie theaters. Um, but, again, it's a, it's, it's a business, too. Uh, it's a livelihood for a lot of people. And, um, again, I think they had taken a hit with, with everything, but I think they're going to take an even bigger hit now. Yeah, they're shut down. But kind of kind of to your point about will things go back to the way they were after this or will some say stay online, uh, some first-run movies, that were scheduled to be released around this time are still being released without theaters being open, and they're they're going on streaming services. So around twenty dollars a pop, you can see a first run movie that you would normally have to go to the theater. And if you're taking a family of four to the theater, buying cokes and popcorn, twenty dollars is a bargain. Oh, no doubt about that. Yeah. Kind of along the same line. Sorry, go ahead, Dave. No, I had it on mute for you. Go ahead. Okay, um, just kind of along those same lines, but transitioning to athletics, um, just as far as how long this thing um, lasts and just when it comes to an end. First of all, will we have football? And then if we do have football this fall, um, how many people may be a little bit uh, weary uh, or leery, I should say, of coming to Dowdy Ficklin Stadium because of uh, if this goes up, you know, until June or July or whatever. I don't know. You know, I, I think that's the biggest thing that is one is will there be a season? I know that Kirk uh, Herbstreit came out on ESPN Radio a couple of days ago and said that it wouldn't stop them at all if, if both the college football season and the NFL season, uh, NFL seasons are, are, are canceled if they don't have them. I think it's too soon to go that far yet, um, but I think there will be some reservation, um, Bubba, uh, from, from fans to want to go because. You know, and, and I've, I've had conversations with a lot of uh, local doctors just to get their thoughts on the virus and how long they think the virus will continue to remain um, a, as it is now um, as, as the year goes on. And the sense I'm, I'm getting is that it's not going away. Um, I, I do think you'll see uh, less and less as time goes on once they end up testing a lot more. And, look, we're just on the upswing now of this thing. I know we just hit over a thousand cases in North Carolina today, I believe, um, and it's going to it's going to continue to rise. I do think it will flatten off at some point, but I don't think the virus itself will go anywhere. And then you get into the fall season, 
where the flu season is back. So then you have COVID-19 and you have the flu to deal with. So I do think there will be some reservations uh, from fans to want to go to games and to be at large gatherings. I have no idea what kind of plans will be in place if there is a college football season. Um, I think that there will be one. I could be completely wrong about that. And I'm saying that more from a hoping standpoint. I hope there's one because, my goodness, I, we, we need something. We need, you know, I need it. I know you guys need it. Um, and so I I just don't know. I think it's too soon to tell. Um, but I do think there are contingency plans being worked on um, at universities all across the country. I know the ECU will be doing some things. Uh, if they have to put certain plans in place, um, you know, for the college football season, I think you know, I know the discussions have been had. Yeah, Trent, you know, one of the things that Kyle brought to our attention, so I'll give him credit for it, is the August 29th game with ECU Marshall, if that still holds true, but I think it will. It will be positive, uh, hoping like you are. That would be the first sporting event held. College sporting event. College sporting event, yes, thank you. On the U.S. soil, you have the Navy game with Notre Dame and Ireland, uh, and then that would be played earlier in the day, and then more like a 6 o'clock game, I think, that night. And it was already going to be, let's just say uh, hypothetically that Things go as planned. We have that first game, August 29th. It was already going to be a big game because of the infamous, unfortunately, the plane crash in 1970 being the 50th anniversary where Marshall played East Carolina. Yeah. That, becomes then, a, that becomes a backseat story now, this right. first game, you know, well, on American soil since then. Yeah, I mean, I, but I think that my point is I think that we've been desperate for a game where we could get 40, 45, who knows? I mean, if, if that truly goes as planned, that could be a really hot ticket, and it may come, speaking of good, it may come where that we could have close to a sellout. And I think if you'd have told us that before Corona, or I know you before Corona, we were hoping for maybe the 40,000 mark or so, but I think with Marshall fans, with East Carolina fans, with people just in general wanting to go to a game, um, that would be huge if uh, – if things can go in our, hopefully in our favor, because we need it. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, and you know, we had so many conversations the four of us did last season about, um, you know, people choosing to stay home and watch games on TV rather than go to Daddy Sicklin to watch the game. You know, we talked about how many, you know, how badly we need to get fans in the seats. And so now we're having to deal with this, and it could be even more of an impact once the season, if the season um, gets going on the, on August 29th. Um, so I, I think it's going to really depend if, if this thing is truly cleared up. I mean, if, you know, I, I'm kind of like what you were saying, talk, talking to you, my, my doctor friend, that, you know, there's a big suspicion that it's going to be like the flu and it's going to be seasonal and uh, it's going to basically lie dormant and then show back up again next next cold weather season and, uh, and you know, and hopefully there'll be a vaccine in place by the end. But so so if it dies out completely by the beginning of June, you know, I, I think we'd pack that place. I think people would be so anxious to go to the game in August, Trent. But one thing I was going to ask you about, you, you mentioned the contingency plans um, that was being talked about at ECU. One thing I wondered about is if if this thing dies out, dies a slow death, and there's still some cases, but they're drastically going down in June and July, and we start the season I wondered if there would be a, like a cap, like in a place like Dowdy Ficklin that holds fifty thousand, uh, maybe dropping it down to twenty five thousand or twenty thousand. 
and allowing a certain amount of space in between each seat or something like that. Yeah, I've wondered if, if universities will look at capping the number of fans they're going to allow in the states. I saw that exact same thing a couple of days ago, and, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's a thought that they probably thought about, and I think it's something that they have to consider doing because, you know, it, it's so hard to distance yourself um, at a sporting event, be, be it football. I think it's a little bit easier with a, with a baseball game because you're a little more spread out, uh, and you can get in other places to watch the game. But basketball and football, and football especially, I mean, yeah, it's going to be hard to create that space. That that may be the case. I don't know, you know. But I, I can tell you this: if you guys know this as well as I do, the university is going to be on board with with. In their eyes, right now, the season is going to kick off on August 29th because I mean, 80 percent uh, of FBS budgets are made up of football revenue, and so they're going to need and the revenue uh, streams for all the universities across the country are taking a huge hit uh, because of all of this, and so. They need the money, uh, and they're going to do everything they can. Certainly keeping in mind the health of, of, of the fans and of student-athletes. I'm not saying they're overlooking that. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, guys, at some point, and I've said this time and time again to myself, and I haven't really said it publicly because I don't want to downplay the severity of the virus, but, you know, with what you just said, Kyle, and, and, and you know, our doctor friends that have said the virus is probably not going away anytime soon, at some point, though, you know, do we just have to say we're going to have to face it? We're just going to have to live with it, and we're going to have to live our lives, and the economy is going to have to get going again, and we're just going to have to deal with the possibility of it being out there. I think one big thing, you know, the vaccine hopefully will come, but if they could come up with a good treatment, a treatment they knew worked, not, not, not you know, hoping and praying on some malaria drug from 30 years ago, but a, a treatment that they, that they knew worked, whether it's a combination of drugs or something that, if you get in a situation where it is impacting your lungs and you need ventilation that they can give you, or maybe before that point they can give you that will keep you to getting to that point, I think then it's, it's suddenly a change. I think then it's something you can deal with like you can deal with unless you're, you know, in certain conditions. You can deal with the flu. There's a vaccine for the flu, and there are ways to treat the flu with Tamiflu unless you're elderly or, you know, have really poor health. Um, and I think if you get to a point where there is a valid treatment for this, even prior to a vaccine, I think then we can start getting back to normal sooner than later. Yeah, I hope so. And, and then, too, you know, not from a fan standpoint, but from a student-athlete standpoint, I mean, what's going to be done for the players, you know, uh, for the locker room environments now, for how much interaction they're going to be able to have once they get back and if they can get back. Because, look, I mean, if if, if – you know, I know that you guys have read and heard Coach Houston over the past few days speaking with different outlets, talking about what their plans are, what they're trying to do. But if they're able to get back, I mean, it's going to be limited time. Um, how much time they're going to have to get ready for the season opening, if they have that time, will be one thing that we're looking at. You know, just from that standpoint, I mean, what do you do with the athletes and, and with the coaching staff and, and how do you try to keep that social distancing if it has to still be going on? And then how do you keep that in play? during all of this. So there's so many different moving parts to trying to get uh, a sporting season going again. And I just don't – I don't envy those that have to be in the position to make those kinds of decisions. They're going to be you, tough. You know, you get to a situation where taking a player's temperature before each practice. Uh, yeah. It could happen, and I wonder, you know, it would be a pain in the ass going through the gates. But, I wonder, you know, it, well, I, well <laughs> I just don't – I don't think we're going to open things up if the thing is still that prevalent. Where temperatures need to be taken going through this, the gates of Dowdy Ficklin. I really just don't no, think we would. No, no, that wouldn't happen. 
you, no, you can't take a with that many people. You could you could not take a chance. Uh, by the way, Trent, uh, before we let you go, how can people get in contact with you guys? May, and here's a plug for the chamber. Maybe there are people listening right now in the Greenville area uh, that would want to join the chamber. How can they do that? And again, how can they get in touch with you guys locally? Maybe if they need help, or how they can uh, join the chamber and get some exposure for their business. Yeah, thanks for asking, Dave. You know, always give us a call. Um, we're, we're all working remotely right now, but we have our phones tied into our desk, our, our, our main line, um, 252-752-4101. You can go online at greenvillenc.org. Um, all of our emails are up there. We have resource pages on, on our site, too, um, for small businesses and for people that are looking for more information. But uh, we want you to contact us. We want to know how we can help you. That's what we're here to do. Um, we can put you in touch with the right people that you need to talk to for your business. Um, and, you know, we hope that we don't see things um, continue to slow down at the rate they're going right now. We, you know, we're being positive about this, guys, as best we can. And, and we're looking at things, certainly, uh, at some point in May. We've had to cancel um, our entire event schedule for the month of April. Um, we've had to put things on hold and push things back. But we have rescheduled a number of events that deal with small businesses. And we plan on having those events uh, in mid-May and, and push them back to June. Because our goal was to get these businesses back on their feet and to be here for them when they need us most. All right, Trent, thank you so much, and I uh, look forward to having you back on. We can put, Maybe one day we can talk sports again, right? I look forward to it, man. I hope so. Thanks, Trent. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you very much coming on. I know a difficult time for everybody, but certainly the Chamber of Commerce there, uh, Peg Greenville, and uh, appreciate all of them, their hard work and their normal times. And I know now they're working so many hours trying to, uh, speaking of creative and innovative ways that they can keep uh, promoting business in uh, Greenville and the Pitt County area and certainly surrounding areas. We've got to do that. And, guys, we're going to try to have on as many businesses. And, um, hey, uh, by the way, let's give a shout-out. Bubba, let's give the email address for folks, um, how they can get in contact with us. And then that way, uh, if you're a business, uh, we want to highlight, we want to give you a spotlight. Uh, This is a way that we can pay back our community uh, if it's Pirate Nation or if you're in Greenville or maybe in Eastern North Carolina, wherever you are, we'd love to be able to uh, definitely promote your business. Yeah, thesportsobj at gmail.com. Again, thesportsobj at gmail.com. Just reach out to us like Dave said, and uh, we'd love to uh, do a quick three- to five-minute uh, interview and just talking about the services you and your business are able to offer during the time where you have to be closed and can't have customers and so forth. Um, so definitely um, reach out, and we'd love to give you some free advertising. Yeah, not just businesses, guys. Uh, charities also. Charities, yeah. Was, a yeah. lot of charities are being forgotten about right now, everything being focused on COVID-19, as it should be. But there are still homeless. There's still need for blood at the blood banks. There's still uh, there, there, there's still a lot of needs out there that go on, that, uh, and they're going to be magnified, particularly with people being out of work. You hope you hope the food banks don't get busier with people being out of work, but they may. Uh, and certainly there's going to be people that are not going to be able to give now because of being out of work. So if you can give uh, and your neighbor can't, make sure don't don't forget uh, don't forget the the charities out there that are helping other people that uh, that they need your help. And we'll reach out to uh, some of the charities. We're going to be reaching out to businesses. But if you are a business or a charity, please let us know because this gives us a way to. It's a way that we can use our platform. We like to be positive anyway, but we're trying to do our part, and that's the least that we feel like we could do. This next, uh, we're going to have a real special treat. Two interviews together. They uh, they overlap, if you will, Bubba, if you want to uh, pitch it to that now. 
Yeah, most definitely. Um, we had Mr. Jennings on the show, uh, or we recorded an interview with him here, I guess, three or four weeks ago now. Unfortunately, had some technical difficulties with part of that interview. So I'm um, very excited to have him back. He played at East Tennessee in the late 80s and just an unbelievable player, was an All-American. And we also had Mac McCarthy on, um, of course, our listeners need no introduction to Coach Mack. He was the Pirates basketball coach and then also um, has continued to do an excellent job in broadcasting for ESPN3 since then. So let's go to those interviews now first with Mr. Jennings and then Matt McCarthy. Well, anytime we can have a celebrity on and a great basketball player or a great athlete on, we are now. Now we're joining. He's actually the head basketball coach for the Lady Bobcats, at least with Craig College now. And he also was a big star at East Tennessee State, Golden State. We'll talk about his NBA career and beyond. And, of course, I'm talking about Keith, Mr. Jennings. How are you? I'm very good, man. Thank you guys for having me on. I hope everybody's doing well, considering these times we're living in right now. That's right. Speaking of which, uh, certainly it's great to have you on. We we had a lost episode. We had a great conversation with Keith. And, uh, Unfortunately, then we had some technical difficulties, so it's like a lost episode. Um, but the good news is, like it's like peeling an onion. We'll get a deeper cut, and uh, we enjoyed. I uh, hope we enjoyed us as much as we enjoyed him last time. I did. With great, I did. <laughs> with a great conversation, but we were going to have the reason I brought that up is that we were going to have you back home for March Madness because you were a tremendous basketball player. We'll talk about that and what you're doing now. Um, but lo and behold, we don't have sports, so I guess it worked out perfectly Ooh. to have you on now because uh, <laughs> for the sports world, I guess we we can start there and we'll talk about your career, but um, how are you as a coach, how are you handling things when you're, I know just knowing you a little bit now, how much of a competitor you are as far as the whole recruiting process. When we were talking to you last time, you told us about how you had a tough season, but you were going to go out there and uh, really recruit hard, so... Uh, how are you dealing with things with COVID right now? Uh, you know, it's, it's been difficult, but uh, like you just said, the, the technology wave makes it easier for us right now. So, it's, you know, I'm always still able to get in touch with my recruits and the girls on my team just to make sure, you know, everybody's, you know, staying focused. And, you know, with us not being able to be at the school, you know, in person, now, you know, everything is online. So just trying to keep them aware and make sure that, you know, they're getting everything taken care of because we don't need any academic casualties when we're coming into the new year. And like I said, uh, you know, i got two commits already, uh, a young lady from Canada and a young lady from uh, Maryland. And, you know, that's been a blessing considering that, um, you know, I don't get to see them play anymore since since everything has been canceled. But uh, like I said, it's a challenge. You know, it's something new for us right now. And, um, you know, our athletic director and our coaching staffs all through Lee's McCray, we've been trying to be very, you know, diligent in trying to make sure everybody, you know, still feels important, even though we're not there face-to-face. As far as recruiting is concerned, can you talk about what are some creative – When I see, and I talk to the guys about this. When I say the word creative and we talk about college sports, some people think – mischief and i don't mean mischief like you're going to you know, like have violations i'm talking about uh are there things that you're thinking of different ways that are legal within compliance with uh, the ncaa that you can do now that maybe you hadn't thought about before i mean not really it's just okay. now we're at a point where you can just get in touch with them a lot more you know what i'm saying i, I mean for right. me personally you know i would usually talk to a recruit every you know once every week 
or so, but now I can talk to them a little bit more now since I won't be able to see them play or work out anymore. So, yeah, it's just, just being more active now, and I don't want them to get tired of hearing my voice or seeing my phone calls, but at the same time, I got to make them feel important. No doubt. As far as I know with the winter sports, um, they have already said there will be no eligibility. But as far as uh, how how do you think about sports in general? It's a tough situation with uh, spring sports. Do you think they're going to give not only seniors, but do you think they'll give the other underclassmen an extra year? Or how do you feel about that? I know it didn't really affect your team or right. certainly basketball, but it would more spring sports. I mean, I, I think the athletes deserve it. You know, I, I don't. I'm waiting to see how it's all going to pan out. But right. for those ones like East Tennessee State, they went to the tournament this year but didn't get a chance to play in it. I would, I would like to see some way where those guys. I don't know if they can compete the whole season again, but give them an opportunity to at least be a part of the team for when they get back to that position. If that's the way they choose to do it, or maybe they will just let them have a, another senior year and you know and, and make it happen. But like I said, man, this is like a first for everybody. So I think a lot of new rules will be made once once they decide when it's when everything's a go again. Yeah, and Mister. Uh huh. Dave, did you have a follow-up? Or? No, go ahead. That's fine. You know, we're going to switch gears here, mister, and you mentioned East Tennessee State and uh, how they, how they uh, you know, made the tournament this year and didn't get a chance to play in it. But uh, we'll talk, so let's go back to happier times, way before COVID-19, <laughs> when, when you were a player coming out of high school. Uh, how, did you, uh, how did you end up uh, playing at uh, ETSU? Well, I had a cousin of mine, Sharon Allen, who was at East Tennessee State working on the women's staff and uh, she became good friends with Alan LaForce, who was uh, Coach Robinson's main assistant at that time. And, um, you know, all the way through my freshman year, all the way going into my senior year, she was telling Coach, you know, you need to come and see him play. And, uh, of course, Coach was like, well, how big is he? And she was like, well, he's only about 5'5". Five, five. <laughs> and uh, Coach LaForce was like, well, as a favor, at least I'll, I'll check him out your senior year, his senior year. And um, he happened to come. He kept his word. Uh, Coach Hanners came down to see me first. He was like the lower assistant, and I had a really good game. And, um, you know, then Coach LaForce came up, and the night that he came up, I was like 16 points from being the all-time leading scorer in the in the whole Battlefield District. And, um, you know, and I broke that record like in the second quarter, and the, 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 the my team, they, they stopped the game. They rushed the court for me, and it was just one of, one of those amazing memories. And uh, next thing you know, uh, he went back and told Coach Robinson, and Coach Robinson flew me in and offered me a full scholarship. And that was the only person, only uh, program that had offered me that. And, of wow. course, I, I jumped right at it, and, you know, the rest is history. One question I have is uh, people may not know. Uh, we do because, again, we had our lost episode. But uh, talk <laughs> about uh, – I, I love the story about how did you get the nickname Mr.? Yeah, I mean, playing football, you know, uh, very athletic family. My dad was big in the coaching, making sure all of us, you know, stay, you know, or just learn the sports. And my first sport that I was able to play was football. And my, being a seven-year-old, just during the draft and you're going through the trials, and then after the trials you just start mingling with your new teammates and everything. And I was a, I, I always thought I was going to be a running back, you know, and, 
you know, these kids just could not tackle me. And I was having, like, a great day out there. I just remember this, like, yesterday. And we'd been out there for a few hours, and my dad was like, Keith, let's go. And I was in earshot, and I heard him, but I kind of ignored him because, you know, being seven and being the man kind of early, it was a good feeling. And he was yelling, Keith, again, and I still ignored him. And then one, he said, uh, Mr. Jennings, get over here. And one of, the, one of my friends was like, Mr. Jennings, Mr., he calls you Mr.? And I was like, yeah, yeah, he calls me Mr. And, that, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> After that, and you know everybody, especially in my my family in my hometown, that's that's all I hear. Yeah, do they still call you Mister? Yes. <laughs> everybody calls him Mister. That's everybody, yeah, pretty much. So. Right, <laughs> it's all good. Now, unfortunately, like I said, our, our third broadcast partner Bubba has not been able to join us yet. He, he is the staff man. He knows your whole career. He grew up watching you with his dad. Uh, okay. So, so yeah. we're, we're going we're going to try to fill his shoes. Um, but uh, <laughs> during your time at East Tennessee State, um, talk, just talk about your run there and some of the seasons you had, NCAA appearances and such. And you know, I, I know you won the Naismith Award. And just talk about your career at, uh, at East Tennessee, if you don't mind. I mean, you know, it was a magical time. Um, you know, through the success that we had, I was able to put out a movie uh, called Forever. You know, just telling you about the closeness of our guys and you know i played with three guys marty story calvin talford and greg dennison these guys won four straight southern conference tournament titles and i don't think that has been done too many times if any in college basketball and i just thought that would be a good story and you know the way those guys played the way we played together it was just you know a dream come true to be able to play with guys that were unselfish uh thought team first and wanted to win above anything and so uh you know it was a lot of great memories i know my sophomore year our first year uh playing on espn and we beat marshall in the tournament and then we played oklahoma in the first round and we were almost you know the first number 16 seed to beat the number one seed so that is something that yeah. i'll definitely remember and uh you know just like i said it's just great times you know i, I mean I, I left i think i finished number two all time in assists when i left but i think i'm number five now but i never had a problem passing the ball to these guys man you know greg scored a lot of points he scored over 2,000 points uh calvin scored over 1800 points you know in major year he scored over a thousand and alvin west rest in peace he scored over a thousand and I scored like 1,900 myself. So, I mean, this was a team that, I mean, we averaged like 94 points a game. So I think Johnson City took well to us. And like I tell my girls' team, man, winning cures everything. Uh, before we got to Johnson East Tennessee State, you know, they weren't winning too much and they didn't have too many fans in the crowd. But next thing you know, we start winning championships and you got – you're playing in front of 12,000 people. And, you know, you don't hear about too many mid-majors that was doing that at the time. So I, I just have, like, great memories for them. And now the, the new Buccaneer team, you know, Coach Forbes has been doing a great job. And these guys broke our team win record with 30, and I was hoping they could keep going. Uh, I'm just so proud of the program, man. And like I said, you know, hopefully one of these days, you know, if timing is right, I would love to go back there and coach. That would be another dream come true. Well, that's you one mean? question. I'm glad you yeah. brought that up. Uh, I wanted to ask you about that very thing. Uh, as far as my high school is concerned, I coach high school ball and different things, a few sports, and people always thought I would want to come back here where I'm living now and coach. And I told them that if I give the opportunity, you know, you have to strongly consider it. But for me personally, I kind of like the fact that I didn't um, 
that I haven't had the opportunity because <laughs> I think I would put way too much pressure on myself. It wouldn't be um, the pressure that people would put on me. It would be more pressure to win because that's my alma mater and I wouldn't want to let them down. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, there's definitely ways to give back to the, the, the people that showed you the way. And, you know, East Tennessee State gave me a wonderful opportunity and – you know, I just I just know it would be a great challenge because I don't think anybody that has been a former player there has ever been a head coach there. And, you know, a lot of times, I mean, not saying I'm a great player, but a lot of times certain players get caught in that, that, that talk of, well, if you were a great player, you can't be a great coach or vice versa. You know, and it's, it's just a sad thing. But like I said, I'm all built on opportunities. Uh, I believe in what I know about the game, and I believe I can teach it to anybody. And, I know my story is special. You know, a lot of people dream to play in the NBA. And, you know, when you have accomplished that, I think it's easier for young people to follow you if that's their dream also. Yeah, you talk about playing in the NBA. Uh, you know, you, you coming out of college at East Tennessee, you didn't get drafted. You signed as a free agent to Golden State. Talk, talk about that process, signing as a free agent with the Warriors. And then you had a, you had a nice a nice run with the Warriors there, uh, playing in 164 games. and. Had uh, you, you had one game where uh, you had a twenty-three point performance? Yeah, I mean, like I said, that was a dream come true. You know that um, that whole process was a different process of of figuring out things in life. Like getting the opportunity to play in the NBA, I had never had a conversation with anybody that had played into the NBA previously, so I didn't know what to expect. So when I left East Tennessee State and I was a second team All American, I just knew I was going to get drafted because a lot of the you know, when I looked at all the drafts, everybody that was on that first or second team had gotten drafted, but it didn't happen for me. So that made my route a little bit different then. So, you know, I ended up going to the Indiana Pacers, and they had a, a rookie free agent tryout. And that was when I kind of started learning the process of what it takes if you're not drafted to make the NBA. And that was the first time I got cut. I got cut by the Pacers after like three days. And I realized, you know, the NBA is a whole nother level compared to the uh, compared to college. And uh, I ended up playing my first professional year in Germany, and then I played really well over there. I was an all star, and you know, the Warriors happened to see me when I was with the German team. And when they invited me back for another tryout, I at least had a, a idea. Now, you know what I'm saying? So that first time I didn't have an idea. The second time I did, and you know, Don Nelson was pleased with the way I played and gave me the opportunity, and next thing you know, I'm, I'm on the opening day roster, and you, you're playing, you know, when your dream come true, and you're in Utah, and you're running out there on the court, and you got tears in your eyes, because you're, you can't believe that your dream has come true, because everybody told you you was too small, or that you can't do it, and then you do it, you know, it's the, like it was like the greatest feeling, but at the same time, I had to realize, oh, that's John Stockton down there. <laughs> I better, I better wipe these tears of happiness out my eyes because he might put tears of, of not happiness with them jump shots and the way he passed that ball. So it was just, uh, you know, a dream come true. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, and later on, I think about in the ninth game of my rookie season, I tore my ACL, so I had to sit out the rest of that season. But you know, I, I fought back from the injury and. I ended up playing in the playoffs the next year with the Warriors, and then I ended up, you know, finished my career there. So yeah, it was it, it happened so fast, but at the same time, it, it was something I'll never forget. Well, Mr. Jennings, we have Mr. Bubba Rosenbaum. He actually joined us now, Bubba. What's up, yeah. Bubba? 
<laughs> we appreciate you coming back on. We enjoyed it here, you know, I guess three or four weeks ago. It seems like an eternity with everything we've been going through yeah, exactly. as a society. But, um, yeah, we appreciate you coming back on. Uh, but and, we can backtrack to his college days if he has time. If you want, I, we went over it briefly with him, but not in the detail that you have. Okay. Um, yeah, one of the things I was going to bring up, obviously, you were a two-time Southern Conference Player of the Year. Um, and I, I know you ranked uh, – now, this may have changed a little bit because it, these stats did come from Wikipedia, but, uh, but I know you were top 15 all-time in both um, assists and steals. Assists, you were right there in the top five or six. Uh, mm-hmm. So, in addition to that, uh, you also um, – one of the things that really jumped off the page to me was how your senior year you shot more than 59% from three. Right. So that's, that's just remarkable. Right, right. I mean, there were good times right there, man. Uh, you know, when I was the type, I followed a certain blueprint, and if it worked, I would go ahead and stick to the plan and try to, you know, improve on it. And and it started working for me in high school. I would think my freshman year, I learned about the conditioning of the game, and I got in really good shape. And next thing you know, I, I started starting at the end of my freshman year. And then my sophomore year, I was first-team all-region. And my junior and senior years, I was first-team all-state. So when I got to East Tennessee, I was thinking the same thing. You know, my freshman year, you know, just learning the difference in high school and college and knowing that you're playing with everybody that was probably the best player on their team, and now you're getting the chance to display your skills against them. You know, it was something that made me work that much harder when I was there. And, you know, I made all-freshman team as a freshman and then Southern Conference as a sophomore and then, like you said, two-time player of the year. So I, every time I just tried to make myself continue to do the same things, which was get up, run in the morning, lift weights, and go through my reps of ball handling and shooting pretty much five days out of the week. And by the time my senior year rolled around, man, I, I, was just, I had so much confidence. And unfortunately, Greg Dennis broke his foot, but it just opened up an opportunity for somebody else to be able to score a little bit more. And, you know, I, like you said, I shot 59% from the three that year. and I mean, the one thing I remember about that year of shooting is, it might sound crazy, I think real shooters will understand this, I didn't hit the rim that much. (laughs) (laughs) Bubba, we've got a – Mr. Jennings, we've got a very – another special guest on the line with us, right, Bubba? Yeah, Mr. Jennings, uh, during those days in the SOCON, you had some tremendous battles with Chattanooga, and the Mots were always right there year in, year out, and – Right now, we'll welcome into the show a guy that we're very familiar with, with Pirate Nation. He was our head coach for three seasons. Welcome in, Matt McCarthy. Coach. <laughs> What's up, mister? How you doing, big guy? Oh, let, me you, let me tell you real quick. Coach Matt was one of the guys that I got to know because we had such heated battles. But it was one of the coaches that I did get a chance to speak to before games that I respected. So, Coach, it was great competing against your teams, man. You always had them well prepared. It was just unfortunate <laughs> that we, we kind of stopped a lot of teams' runs in the Southern Conference at that time. Yeah, it was uh, it was crazy, as you well know. And you came in there, and you had that group that with Calvin and Major and and uh, Alvin and Greg and a whole bunch and threw in story and English along the way. And, <laughs> and, and I don't know if these guys know, but – between you all and us, we won eight straight tournament championships. Y'all wow. won four in a row. 
we won one, then y'all won four, then we run three more, and then we Ooh. took a year off and we won another. Wow. wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. But hey, let me, let me tell you something else you didn't know, mister. Mister, let uh-huh. me tell you something else you didn't know. <laughs> the I was responsible for you going to East Tennessee. Did you know that? No. Sharon Allen. Yeah. We we helped Sharon go to East Tennessee State when we were at East Tennessee back in the mid seventies. And of course she is the one who pestered Coach Robinson into going up there to Culpeper yes. to see you. Yes. So yes. Hey, that basketball <laughs> circle is getting smaller every time, man. With Full circle. <laughs> so it made me mad every time you messed us up. You were a pain in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> this is podcast gold right now, man. This is <laughs> two great basketball minds you guys, together. The roundhouse, y'all's fans was like super crazy for you guys. Uh, you know, I, I keep in touch with some, it is, it is strange as, as much, as many battles as we had, I would never think that I would be cool with some of the guys that we battled with, like Derek Kirst, yeah. uh, Enoch, Tyrone Enoch, uh, Levert, uh, you know, these guys, we chatted, uh, we chatted Keith, I think my, was it Keith Nelson maybe, I think. Yep. We chatted a little bit on Facebook and we talked about some of these battles that we shared, man, and. Like I said, it's, it's amazing how, you know, the respect of, of the programs, you know, ends up coming back to the forefront of, you know, just basketball world, man. It's, it's, it's amazing what the game can do for people. Well, we you know, we have been dominating the league along with Marshall, and then yeah. you all had that great class that came in together, not only great players but great kids and, and people you wanted to get to know and, and just good citizens, and then – you all made us raise our level. And then after your four straight, I don't know if you knew, we went to the NCAA for the next five years, yep. including that run to the Sweet 16. And we did that in reaction to how good you all got. Y'all, hey, I, I, I was supporting y'all. I, I didn't like y'all, but I was supporting y'all. I know that's always bringing, making the Southern Conference look really good when, uh you know, the mid-majors. The way they, you know, they didn't talk about us the way they talk about the mid-majors now, Coach. We, no, we probably would have been no. one and two for sure. Yeah, and and Coach Forbes is doing a good job too. I like. Great it's job. nice to yes, see. Sir. I know they moved to Freedom Hall and all, but well, Coach Forbes has done a great job of of getting them back to the level that you all were at, or almost to the level you right. all were at. And he's a super cool guy too, man. He's yeah. been one Love of the, one of the few that welcomes us back with open arms, man. And it's, yeah. it's always. It's always good to know that, you know, for what we did for the program, that when we come back around, they're not looking at us like, oh, y'all time has passed. It's always welcoming with him, and and we've been very appreciative of that. You know where I see a bunch of the guys is over at the racetrack in Bristol. A yep. bunch of them work over there for the races. I get to see all those guys, Johnny yep. and, and all those guys. Big Calvin, yeah, they're big. They, they're NASCAR fans. Oh, man. I stress coach. Lee Morrow, who was yeah, the guy yeah. that got us in the shape way back in the day. Yeah, you probably know Lee. I know uh, Lee, yeah. Yeah, he now does, like, security and stuff like that. So whenever they have the uh, NASCAR races, 
he always lets the guys that, that I'm not a big fan of, but I've taken my, my team down there for some fundraising before. But, you know, for the other guys, Calvin, he could have been – I think he could have been a NASCAR driver. <laughs> Calvin could do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Is that based on how fast he's driving on the freeways and highways? Or, hey, or I don't plead the fifth, but I do know I, I put my feet down really quick when I got in the car with that guy. <laughs> yeah. Coach Mack, what, uh, what was the best performance Mr. had against you? Uh, during during his time at East Tennessee when uh, when you were coaching at Chattanooga, you know that was a pain. That's a pain I'm talking about. <laughs> he didn't have any bad performances, and, and you know if you left him open, he just killed you. And if you challenged him, he drove in there and found somebody to pass it to. Uh, you really didn't have much choice. We finally figured out the best thing to do was put him on the dribble and then guard everybody else and hope he didn't make a layup. Because he, he, he shot better from three than he did from a layup. <laughs> yeah, is that a rivalry? I mean, I know the, the proximity between Chattanooga and Johnson City. Is, is that a pretty good rivalry in general? Oh, yeah, I think it was. I mean, but like I said, you know, once we once you become good, everybody that, that's also good, it's almost yeah. like it was a rivalry. I mean, I think Appalachian State might have been – the proximity rivalry, but yeah. you know Chattanooga was like battling for the championship rivalry. I mean Furman was like a pain in our butts. I mean it was Marshall. I mean it it really seemed like for those those teams I just named, those were eight of the toughest games that we had. If you'd have seen our practices, I'm trying to tell you our practices usually before playing those guys was vicious because we knew what we were getting ready to get into. We knew that. I agree with Mr. Whoever's good. Like when we got there, Marshall was good. So that was our rivalry. And then, and then yeah. East Tennessee got good and they were our rivalry. Yeah. And then, and then here came Davidson and they were our rivalry. So, right. uh, uh, the, the good thing is if you got rivalries, that means you are good. That's yeah. a good thing. <laughs> yeah, you, you talk about Marshall and Davidson and, and you just look at what the SOCON is now. You mean, the conference just has completely changed with college football, excuse me, with college athletics and expansion uh, and conferences getting reshuffled. I mean, the SOCON is a completely different league now. I mean, it's got to, it's got to be kind of, I don't know if hurtful is the right word, but I don't know what the word I'm looking for. How is it for you guys watching SOCON basketball now? And it just doesn't seem the same. I would imagine. Uh, you can answer that coach. <laughs> Well, it, it is different, and, and it, unfortunately, it was driven by football. You had Georgia Southern got out because of football. App got out because of football. Yeah. East Tennessee got out because of not having football and then came back. Uh, it, you know, the whole change has been football-driven. But I will say the last couple of years with Wofford doing better and Furman mm-hmm. getting better and Greensburg getting yeah. better and ETSU and this year Chattanooga got a little better, it, it's coming back. But – but for a while, you guys are right. It, it wasn't, but we were we were there during the heyday. Mister yeah. was part of the, why it was a heyday. Man, yeah, those uh, I can just imagine. Like you said, the the way the conference was in those days compared to now. You know, I think everybody's gonna, you know, like like you say, Michael Jordan is your favorite player. I think everybody's gonna have a favorite time of their basketball, and I think that time right there, the Southern Conference, was probably. I would uh, the way they talk about these conferences now. We would we could have possibly got an at large bid without winning because it was just so tough. Yeah, yeah. But and, we, and we, we, you know, people don't know. We didn't, we didn't want to take that chance. 
People don't remember. We used to get people to come, and we had Alabama play at our place, Auburn play at our place, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Michigan, Purdue, Ohio State, Texas. We we had all those people come to our place, Mississippi, Mississippi State. We wow. had all those people. I mean, it was completely different than it is today uh, in, in terms of, of how we competed nationally and, yeah. and that kind of thing. And the, the crowds uh, – we used to be mad if we didn't if we got less than ten thousand. Now right. they're now they're happy if they get five. I know, I know. I don't the power five effect. I mean, it just it just bled down from football to everything. I think so. I think yep. so. Yep. Now, Coach, you, gentlemen, go ahead, Dave. I was just going to ask you, gentlemen, that we were having both of you be in basketball minds. It's blowing my mind, and I'm about to lose my mind. Not that it was sports, but one of the best events. You could argue probably the best event, but depends on who you ask. Uh, it's March Madness. How are you guys handling not having March Madness? Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like every day when I wake up, I'm like, I can't believe I'm not watching. I mean, the highlights that you get to see, uh, that, that helps a little bit, but it's just this time that we're living in right now where everything is shut down, it's, it just, it's amazing to me, man. I, I, I've never been at a at a point in my life where you couldn't really watch March Madness. It's it's, it's really it's it's it's, un, it's unexplainable, really, for me. Uh, it's, it's just amazing. I just hope everything gets back in line, and hopefully, we won't have to go through this again. Yeah, it's such a big part of our lives that we don't. You know, I'm sure. You know, I'm at a loss, just like Mister is. He, uh, you know, I, I, that's a big void right there, and I totally understand it. It's absolutely the right thing to do, but yes, I, I hate it for those guys, just like ETSU or Hofstra, or you know, yes. I hate it for these guys who are not getting to do what we got to do. It, it, yes. It's just really sad because we all remember that. I had a. I had a uh, a little Zoom conference the other day with all the guys from the Sweet 16 team in '97, and uh, wow. I mean, they're, they're, when we when we get together, it's just like we were back then. It's it's, yeah. it's unbelievable, and and a whole bunch of guys are going to miss out on that now. No, that, that very that very fact. Uh, I was thinking about. I know Bubba, we talked about this before, but I was thinking about Baylor. Look at the year they've had with the best in school history with Scott Drew and the. And then they don't get even a chance to see what they could do. It's like one of the and, – and then everybody – it's funny to me, guys, but whenever everybody says, well, you know, it's going to be this year, well, for some, this is the last time they're ever going to play their sport, if it's basketball or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. Yep. That's what I'm hurting for is the, the men and women uh, from the winter – some of the winter sports for basketball and obviously all the spring sports, they'll never play again. That's what really hurts for me. It's not about me personally – it hurts. I don't get to see the games, but I'll get to see games again. I just hate they won't get their opportunity to play. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that even goes to graduation. You know, like I think a lot of people are going to be just having their degrees mailed to them, and you know, to be able to walk across that stage, I think that's a crowning achievement for a lot of kids. So yeah, this this has affected not only the sports world but the world in general. And I just hope you know it's something we can you know make better in the future. In the very near future. Kind of getting yes, back to please. scheduling, uh, Coach Mack, I wanted to ask you as far as the scheduling goes, and you obviously hear Coach Dooley and then prior to that Coach Lebo and other coaches and just talk about how that RPI or in, in today's world, the net has to be 
better than what it is in order for East Carolina to be able to schedule people. And uh, back in your day, and you, was it a combination of some connections and then the fact that you were good where it wouldn't hurt the teams if they came into the roundhouse and lost? Yeah, it was both of those things, and, and things were just different. We hosted two tournaments, uh, one in early December, one in late December, so that was four games we didn't have to return. Uh, and then we could play we could play some non-Division ones back in the day, so that was four more games we didn't have to return. So now you throw in 12 league games, we got a 20-game schedule at home. And if you can't, if you play twenty games at home, you're gonna have a pretty good record. Don't, you know, if you're decent at all. Yeah. And that's not that's not possible the way it is now. You have, you know, uh, ECU is finally stepping up and paying some guarantees and getting some folks in here. But if you're play if you're playing more away games than you are home games, it's gonna be an uphill battle. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I was eight and twenty-two this year. Hey, and Dave, something else these guys have in common. I know, Mister, when you were at ETSU, you guys took down uh, NC State twice. I believe once when Les Robinson was your coach, and once after he became the NC State coach. And then, obviously, Coach Mack. uh, That was uh, awesome. What the Pirates did back in December of two thousand seven. Yeah, those were uh, great games. You know, when 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 we went there to NC State um, and beat them at <clears throat> excuse me and beat them at their place, and then the return game, we knew it was coming, but we didn't know Coach Robinson wasn't going to be their coach at that time. Of course, once that happens, you know, of course, you don't want you know you want to. We're competitors. That's one thing about basketball players. I know Coach Mack probably can attest to this too. No matter what, you want to win, and when you got personal issues with it, it just kind of makes you want to win that, that much more. And that's that's kind of how we felt. I mean, we had a nice home winning streak until Coach Mack done broke it. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, was always, it was always something with UCC and East Tennessee now that I think about it. But, you know, that, that's that's the love of the game. And like I said, man, Coach Mack, I got the utmost respect for you and, and when you coach. So, you know, it's, it's always yeah. good to be able to chat back with that you, you know, you know how much you know how much I respect you. You know how much I like you, and you know how much I hated you back in the day. <laughs> and especially since, since Sherrod is the one that got you down there, we were responsible for Sherrod coming. I still bothers me. But another big game you talked about stopping the winning streak. Another big game, uh, you all got ranked like eighth in the country on a Monday afternoon. And Lavert Threats made two free throws to beat you that night at the Roundhouse. That's one of the big yep. games that I remember. Yep, yep, we are. Yep, I remember that too. Because we was definitely trying to crack that top ten, and that game dropped us back down. I think, and it was funny too because a lot of other teams that lost too. So we would have moved definitely right on up. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you talk about it being personal. That day, uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but that day. LaVert's sister had passed. I've heard about that. And he had her name written on his shoes. And of all the people, he went to the free throw line, down one with two free throws to win the game and made them. Only in sports does that stuff happen. Yep, exactly. Perfect timing. And, Mr., I know your time's running short, um, but before um, we have to let you go, um, a question I had for, for both you and Coach Mack, Obviously, you guys took part in numerous NCAA tournaments, but just as a fan, what are some of your favorite upsets over the years? Because I, I think of games like when um, 
Richmond knocked off Syracuse. That was one of the first yeah. upsets I was old enough to remember. I remember yeah. when I was, I want to say I was in middle school or maybe early in high school when that happened with Bryce Drew, uh, when they ran the play pacer yeah. and, and, and he knocked down the shot to beat Ole Miss. What are some of the ones that you guys remember? I mean, you know, the underdog story has kind of been my whole career. So I would have to say the the U and I'm not too far from UVA. You know, they didn't recruit me at all. But I'm not. Uh, <laughs> you know, when when Maryland Baltimore County beat them, that was like okay, the sixteens are beating number ones now. I mean, it's it's been close a few times, but mm-hmm. for it to really happen. I I just think every number sixteen from now on has got to feel like you know you 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 stay your four years while some of these other other teams leave after their freshman year and you build something you might be able to do that so it, that that's the that probably is one of the bigger upsets that that sticks in my mind. That's a great point. That's a great point, and we've both been part of some good upsets. And uh, you know, I was at Auburn when we uh, after we lost Charles Barkley the next year we finished eighth won the conference tournament, upset Purdue, upset Kansas with Danny Manning, and made it to the Sweet 16 after being eighth. And, of course, our run at Chattanooga was was, was certainly something I'll always remember, beating Georgia and beating Illinois back-to-back to get to the Sweet 16. So I had to say those stick out. But UMBC with Ryan Odom, that was, that was unbelievable. Because you knew that wasn't going to happen. Even as it got down to the end, you knew UVA was going to find a way to win that game. Yeah, they were yeah. going to figure out a way. But, like I said, the basketball guys were on the other side that day. And like I said, that's the wonderful thing about basketball. It's a hit or miss game. And, if, and, and, and especially the timings of the time of the game, if you don't make plays, then you're probably going to lose. And, you know, that's, that's just a great story. Hey, like, like, like you guys are saying, uh, sorry, Dave, um, that's what that game with UMBC and UVA, that was, that was the thing about it. Uh, the Retrievers ended up winning by, what, 20-plus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, un- unbelievable. You never heard that one, right? Dang, that is amazing. That's why they call it March Madness. And, yeah. gentlemen, we're living a different kind of March Madness that I don't like at all, oh. and hopefully we can get yeah. rid of that. Uh, Mr., mm-hmm. before we let you go, how um, we want everybody to pull hard for Lisa McCray. Uh, actually, I started my college career there. I was telling you – Last yeah. time, and uh, we will pull it hard for you now. We lo- we uh, we like the people that come on our podcast, so we're gonna pull hard for them. Um, I don't know about the ones that don't. Maybe they'll come on later. But um, <laughs> but anyway, we're gonna pull hard for you. How can people follow you on Twitter and social media? Uh, on Twitter is at Mr Jennings the number two, and uh, Facebook is just Keith Jennings. Uh, you know, definitely just trying to get the program in the right direction. You know. Uh, it was a tough year for us not making the tournament and everything, but I was I had a young team and coach, you know, you, you hate to use this as an excuse. We're young, but the fact is, you know, when you're coming out of high school, the college game is a lot different. And if you're not dedicated and, you know, committed, then you're going to realize that. And hopefully this, this second, your second year, you can get ready. So, uh, you know, I'm just hoping that the girls stay focused and, you know, we can hopefully come back and have a better year in this upcoming season. No doubt about it. Thank you so much, Mr. We'll have you back on again. And uh, hopefully next time we talk about basketball, or if, if not, we'll, we'll continue to talk about reminisce and to hopefully talk about the future of basketball. 
Sounds good. Sounds good. Hey, Bubba, make sure Coach Matt gets my number, man. I love to keep in touch with him. I got your Absol- number, absolutely. man. Absolutely. I got we'll, your we'll number. Take- I'll reach out to you right after this. Sounds good, Coach. I really appreciate it. And I'm going to tell Sharon that I talked to you, too. I know she's going to be like, Do it. give her a hug for me. I sure will. <laughs> hey, right, you buddy. guys take care, man. Stay safe. Look forward to talking to you guys soon. Okay, Absolutely. thank you, Mister. Yep, thank right. you. Bye bye. Now, Coach, we wanted to shift uh, gears with you, and uh, obviously, uh, close to home with uh, East Carolina, and we'll talk about your career too. But first of all, how are you handling uh, the situation with uh, COVID and Corona? I know it's got to be mind-boggling to think about all the your legendary career. Have you? I know there's nothing you can really compare this to, right? No, there's nothing any of us can compare this to. Uh, so um, it, it's it's something new every day. And uh, as we were moving into the disruption of our of our life, uh, you know, it was it was literally I was getting texts from an official. I've seen it all now, or this and that. And I had a crazy week that week. I did two games on TV in the CAA, <clears throat> and uh, then my next two games were going to be for ESPN for the Sun Belt semifinals. <laughs> So uh, I, I was preparing for that, and then I'm on a plane getting ready to go to New Orleans on Thursday when the tournament start canceling. And I called the Sun Belt, and they said, no, we're not going to cancel. We're going to play with no fans there. It's it's two three games in two days, so we're going to you know, come on to New Orleans. And then right before we took off, I got a text message, canceled. So I was able to I was able to talk my way off the plane, and my bags went to New Orleans, which was fine. Uh, but I was able to get off the plane. Then later that afternoon, as I'm driving home, I find out that I have been in contact with a uh, uh, an official who tested positive for the virus. So now uh, you know I, I'm making plans to talk to the doctor and get tested and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and of course, everything has just gone crazy from there, as as you guys know, and has been extremely well documented twenty four seven. Yeah, Coach Mack, I remember hearing that uh, it was about the time the Pirates were down in Wilmington playing UNCW and right. baseball. Baseball um, right. that the UNC Wilmington basketball team had been quarantined because of what you're referencing. Yeah, that was the game I did, Wilmington and Drexel. Uh, I did two games, JMU and Elon and Wilmington and Drexel, and they never really said what official it was, and they never really officially said uh, what game it was, but when they had Drexel and Wilmington uh, isolated, uh, quarantined, we pretty much knew that. And I had talked with all the officials from that game, so I knew I had been exposed and – you know, went through this 14 days, and and fortunately, very fortunately, selfishly, I've I've, I've been symptom free and not having a problem. So, uh, but it was a crazy week for everybody. No doubt. I wanted to uh, talk to you about the ECU basketball program a little bit. Uh, obviously, the, we primarily focus on ECU sports. So, uh, I know that uh, it's tough to win at East Carolina. Um, but how are you thinking? How are things going? You are more close to the program than we are. Uh, we love Coach Dooley. We love the coaching staff. Uh, how do you think things are going so far? Well, it, it's it's in the best shape it's been in maybe ever. Uh, not only is Joe a really good coach and he's assembled a really good staff, uh, but but there's the, the biggest commitment that's ever been made has been made. Uh, whether it's Dave Hart or or 
Mr. Gilbert or, you know, uh, you know, doesn't matter who, who stepped up, but they have stepped up and, and the resources are beginning to be there. Now, we still don't have the resources of a, of a Memphis or some of the folks at the top of the league, but at the same time, we're not at the bottom of the league anymore. And, uh, and, and that gives me great hope. Joe is a really, not only a good coach, but he's a really good recruiter. Uh, he understands the program. He's been at all different levels. Uh, probably should never have been let go here uh, in the first place. Uh, I was at VCU when he was here, and certainly he had really talented teams and just had some misfortune of having some injuries. And anytime you change ADs or or presidents or leagues, and he he, he went through all of some of that. So uh, so he lost his job, but I'm glad he's back. I'm excited about this staff. Um, I, I thought this team would have a little better record, but – you know that that's looking at just the whole picture in terms of talent, but you got that daily thing with eleven new guys that you got to figure out how to put together, and then they had some injuries on top of that. At the end of the year, you saw the team. I thought they were going to be competitive against everybody, even the very top of the league. I did a, I stepped in and did radio one game when they had Cincinnati here, an overtime loss to a really good Cincinnati team, had a great performance against Memphis on the road, and. Just had some really good performances down the stretch, and you're going to see them continue to take that next step forward. I, I'm I'm pumped. I think East Carolina University basketball is in the best shape it's ever been. Mac, you talk about um, just the program growing. Um, you obviously got to see Minji's at its best when it had 7,600 plus people that night against NC State, and we've seen that on some isolated occasions, the Marquette wins, Louisville, etc. Uh, so. That's what the crazy thing is. We talked about this and pretty ad nauseum on this podcast, just as far as even when you have four or 5,000 in there, how loud. And just I remember the way you described it that night in the postgame press conference when you were talking to the media, just said it was deafening in there. You could hardly think. Yeah, and when it's full, it's unbelievable. It's small enough and the locale in relation to the students, it ought to be full every single time. And, and by the way, you were wrong about 7,600 people. There were at least 30,000 people there. Because yeah. I've talked yeah. to 30,000 30, people that have told me they were there that much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the fire marshal did. I don't know what the fire marshal did. But, no, it, you know, Minji's doesn't have all the bells and whistles, and then you don't walk in and say, wow, although you do in the practice facility. Uh, but, hey, it is, a, it is as good a place to play when it's full as any place I've ever coached. Coach, am I remembering right? I mentioned this to Brock Young, and he said I was right. Um, when we beat NC State, wasn't it the same exact week? Am I remembering right? Did we beat George Mason after their NCAA run on Sunday and then turn around and beat NC State the following Saturday? Am I remembering that right? Wow. I don't remember. I remember beating George Mason up there in the tournament in D.C. in the BB&T Classic. Uh, but I don't remember whether it was the same week or not. I, you know, I would trust his 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 opinion, but I, I don't remember that. Yeah, that's how I remember it, and he he went along with it. So, <laughs> yeah, good, good. Well, let's let's go ahead and, and rewrite history if, if that ain't correct. <laughs> but but, Coach Mack, you've talked about. Um, 
new East Carolina athletic director, John Gilbert, and uh, the commitment that he and the administration have made, and something I've heard you and also former East Carolina head coach Mike Steele talk on Pirate Radio through the years is just uh, some of the things that need to go on in terms of game day presentation and atmosphere and dressing up the concourse, and some of those things have started to be done with uh, stuff. It's not necessarily cheap, but it's, but it's not as expensive as some people might think as far as some of the wraps and, and paint and stuff. Yeah, in, I, I, in, in terms of like you know the fight fight um, fight song words and um and then the new Adidas brand pattern and some of those things. Aesthetic. Yeah, no, I agree yeah, with all aesthetic. that. Yeah. Anything you'd like to see done to Menjis? I mean, you talk about the upgrades and I, you know, and obviously the practice facility and and the, and the minor upgrades we've done. Um, you know, we 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 talked to Cy about it and things he'd like to see and. He's pretty. He's pretty uh, boisterous about things he likes to see done at Menjis. But when when you go to Menjis and you talk about it not having all the bells and whistles, what what do you think it needs that would be realistic that that would uh that would enhance the fan experience and help with recruiting? Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not so sure, and I don't think Joe or or any of the coaches have been necessarily hung up on the facility itself. But there were times when I first got you could walk in that building and not know it was a gym. You didn't know it was a Coliseum. It, you know, it was kind of painted, uh, you know, neutral colors, and uh, there there wasn't any signage. There wasn't any, uh, you know, and I know they're in the unbelievable history, but, you know, even logos and, like you said, paint, uh, you know, some simple things that they have started to do now. And, uh, you know, I, I, there probably are some things they could do as far as an entrance, although, you know, coming in through the practice facility, being the main entrance has helped an awful lot. Uh, uh, but again, I, you know, winning trumps everything. Winning is the best promotion. Uh, I think every promotion dollar ought to be spent on some way to help Joe Dooley win. And uh, uh, if he's got the resources to recruit, and if he's got the resources to charter the games, and he's got the academic help and uh, the support by, beyond basketball, um, he'll get it done here. He will get it done here. Silly question. Uh, I got one more question, Dave. Um, silly, silly question, but uh, you know, obviously, you, you had a chance to watch Jaden Gardner play over the last couple of years. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? How, how good is he? He's really good, and, and he's uh, he's such an unusual player. He doesn't have a position. Uh, he's not a prototype of anything, and it's hard to compare him with somebody else, to be honest. But he plays so dadgum hard, and he's got such good skills. And, and of course, he's physically gifted, being really strong. And uh, I, I look forward to, to him having more and more help, which he had more help this year, take some pressure off him. And uh, I think he'll even be more effective. I don't know that he'll put up better numbers necessarily, but I think he'll be a more efficient, more more effective player and a more dangerous player as as Joe improves the talent around him. No question about it. Coach, one of the things that Steve and I got a friend from Hoist of Colors was talking about, you were talking about commitment and, and that triggered this memory of, uh, were you shocked about how much money we've spent on recruiting? It's amazing. Would you like to have that <laughs> those recruiting dollars uh, to go out and recruit some of the best? Oh yeah, yeah. There's no question that it, you know that's that's one of the big things. You know, when I thought the 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 identifiable things that really needed to change when I was here was, 
you know, more resources for recruiting, being able to to buy home games. Uh, you know, that that's just critical in balancing that schedule and uh, and giving you the opportunity to pick and choose your opponents. Some not not necessarily for wins, but you know, even playing like Memphis for years did a great job of playing the highest ranked team in lower leagues. You know, they they would get a Davidson or a Chattanooga to come to their place, or a Wofford, or or somebody out of the Big South, a Campbell or a Radford or a Liberty, and and they they helped their RPI or in, in this case in today's world the net. But uh, you know, I thought that was a big thing. And then how you travel is it, such a big deal. If you're having to get on a commercial flight, you're already a big step down to everybody else in the league. And um, and I'm I'm really glad to see some of those things have been addressed. In addition to the to the uh, academic help, and uh, you know we had some great people here working hard when I was here. But uh, but you know you can always use use more of that kind of support. Uh, non-directly related to basketball kind of support. Going along with that, with uh, right when we had him on the beginning uh, with uh, Mr. Jennings, he was talking about academic casualties. Is this something we could, should worry about? Uh, you, you're in, you know the inside of that uh, as far as the players are concerned now, depending on what sport. Um, but as far as players right now, they're more the student than the athlete. Hopefully they're still doing uh, keeping themselves in shape, but with the, this crazy time we're in right now, is that something that we can be worried about as players maybe maybe taking the, not the responsible st- uh, steps to keep their academic career going? Yeah, you know the, the bad news is they don't have that direct supervision and uh, and encouragement and uh, holding them accountable and responsible for for what they've got going on. The good news is taking online stuff has become way more common than than it was in the past. So uh, I think it's something they're all comfortable with, and, and I'm sure the academic support people as well as the coaching staff is all over that in terms of, of keeping up with what's going on. But uh, it is a scary time from that perspective. That's a really good question. Coach, I'm just thinking about the coronavirus and everything we're dealing right now, dealing with right now is a society with COVID-19, uh, just the closest thing that we could think to compare it to, obviously not in terms of uh, a disease, but just as far as the impact it had on sports was World War II. And, yeah, yeah, and I wasn't around for that. And, <laughs> right. and, uh, and, and 9-11, there was a definitive kind of end to that in terms of, uh, you know, it disrupting our life. Uh, but yeah, the, you know, from from what the stories I've heard, the, literally the war stories from uh, World War Two and World War One, maybe even more in some situations. But uh, um, yeah, I don't I don't even know what to compare it to. And every day you look at it and you think, well, this needs to be done or that needs to be done. And you know, fortunately, uh, you know, we we we've, we've got some good people in place, and we've got so many great people in the medical field and. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably like you all. I'm, I'm deferring to the experts and uh, and hoping the experts are in charge. Yeah, no kidding. It's it's, it's nobody. I mean, you you can ask hundred people anything to compare it to, and, and everybody comes to the same house. There is nothing to compare it to. No, it's, no. It, you know, unless unless you, unless you were somehow uh, a, uh, a a vampire and were around in you know 1918 to 1920 for the Spanish <laughs> flu, um, you uh. You, you, you really can't compare this to anything. 
I did see uh, a, a neat story today. A lady was celebrating her 109th birthday, and, and she literally said, and they couldn't have the party for her. They had a big party for her last year. A television station was there, and, and uh, you know, they, they couldn't obviously have the party for her this year. But, but her quote was, hey, I got through the flu in 1918. I'll get through it again here. Yeah, wow. I mean, that's uh, that's incredible. But yeah, I guess you're right. Unbelievable. There is a handful of people. There is a handful of people that did live through both. Yeah, yeah. Point that out, Jim, and Christmas. That's great stuff, Coach. uh, What do you got? Can you tell folks? I know you do a lot of broadcasting stuff. What are you up to these days? And he's doing nothing. Not a damn thing. (laughs) (laughs) No, I know about right now. I'm just talking about your career, not this second. Yeah, when I you know when I when I retired from the the administrative part here at ECU, uh, my phone started ringing about television. I had worked two years full time for ESPN when I left VCU, and then got back into coaching. Uh, that may or may not have been a good decision. We'll, we'll somebody else will be the judge of that at one point. But uh, I do television. I do anywhere from thirty to fifty some games a year. I do a bunch on the ACC Network, ACC Network Extra. Most of those are in Blacksburg. I uh, do some occasional radio. I do some CBS Sports. Pick up some ESPN3, ESPN Plus games here and there, and uh, kind of a, just a free agent. And uh, But I stay really busy from November to uh, March, and uh, it got cut short a little bit. I was headed to do two games, that, like I said, yeah. some about semifinals on ESPN uh, in New Orleans at the uh, – Smoothie King Arena, which would have been fun, uh, but uh, that, that got cut short too. So, uh, but I do a little radio during the off season. I do a weekly show in Chattanooga, but uh, I fill in a bunch on different shows, uh, not only here in town, but Richmond, Chattanooga, uh, the Gulf Coast down in Florida a little bit. There's some stations down there that call in pretty regularly, and, and of course, this time of year, I usually get a ton of calls because of the tournament and you know the success that we had had in the tournament and that kind of thing. So. Uh, I'm glad to come on with you guys. It's uh, it's been fun. Yeah. Well, one final question for you: Is there, uh, being that you're sure. an announcer, is there a sport outside of basketball that you would love to co- cover? Maybe that would be a challenge for you that but would be fun. <laughs> yeah, they'd all be a challenge for me. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I've had the opportunity to, or had the uh, you know the option to do some softball and some baseball and some things like that, but. The one sport I would love to do because I know a little bit more about it than most sports is uh, is NASCAR. I'm a NASCAR nut, and uh, uh, I you know I went to I went to my first race in Talladega in 1984, and Dale Earnhardt won his first race for Richard Childress Racing. Oh, so yeah. uh, uh, since then, I have been totally hooked. I've worked in the pits. I've done the driving school. I go to every race I can go to, and uh, uh, and it works out that. Fits my schedule pretty well because uh, I've got five months, and then uh, I got a little bit of overlap when they start back at Daytona. But uh, that would be m- the most fun I could have is doing something in, in conjunction with NASCAR. Well, Coach Mag, you, sorry, go ahead, Dave. I know if you did it, you would do it very well. That's uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't do it unless I'm gonna have fun. So I, you know, I don't know about that. But uh, I, I love doing what I do, and. Uh, uh, the, traveling around, I don't mind the travel, and it's so much fun to see everybody and uh, and and stay connected with the game. Now, what I was going to say, Dave, is uh, here in the coming weeks, we'd love to have you back on, Coach Mack. As far as uh, some of the stories, you obviously coached at Auburn, and and just that 
um, opportunity to work with a guy like Sonny Smith and then coach yeah. a guy like Charles Barkley and also what Chuck Person. And so, so we'll, we'll talk about uh, some of those things and T.O. at Chattanooga. Yep, yep. I've been around some characters and uh, got a bunch of stories. Just get me going and I'll tell them. All right, Coach. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Guys, thank you all. Well, that was uh, great. I guess, guys, you could call that a reunion. Uh, with Coach Mack and, of course, Mr. Jennings. Uh, that was, uh, I said it during the interview, that was podcast goal when the two of them, those two interviews overlapped. And thanks to both those guys. It's uh, one of the great things with, I guess, if there is a great thing, I don't know. Um, I would obviously love to have our spring sports right now across the board. Um, but one of the great things is uh, having interviews like that. So thank you, gentlemen, for uh, helping us uh, with the show and uh, it was great. I, I felt like we didn't have to do very much uh, for those interviews. We could just sit back, and that's how you know a great interview, where they just ask a question and sit back and let the person talk. And those two gentlemen, you see you see why those guys are great competitors. Uh, the chemistry, uh, the charisma, the chemistry between the two guys were awesome, but the charisma that both those gentlemen have, it made it uh, one of the best interviews I think we've ever had. Yeah, it yeah. was uh, it was fantastic like you uh sorry, it was fantastic like you said, Dave. It was um you just sit back and listen to those two guys talk. It was uh you know, uh, a great moment there on the podcast and uh fun to hear and um kinda kinda made me remember back when we had Coach Houston talking to Coach Die kind of unexpectedly. Uh so it was cool and uh, you can tell those two guys were genuinely glad to talk to each other and uh Mr. Jennings certainly was uh Surprised to hear Coach Mack's voice there on the line. Yeah, that was one of those moments where uh, it was kind of like a television moment on radio uh, and podcasting where uh, we bring in surprise somebody. You see those shows all the time, um, like a reunion between two relatives or stuff like that. But um, certainly we'll try to do that from time to time. I think that opened up some doors for us uh, creatively. Uh, we didn't intentionally do that, uh, but in, in one respect we did, but not the way that it turned out. So um, that's the way that uh, certainly when you're doing a show, you never know how things are going to go until uh, you're doing the show. So I'm glad that it worked out. Uh, you guys, I tell you what, I've been. Uh, we were talking at the beginning uh, about things you're doing. One of the things that I have actually had a, a blast doing is listening to a lot of music. You guys. Uh, listening uh before i forget that uh sad note we heard yesterday uh hopefully it'll be okay joe diffie has the coronavirus so we'll give our love yeah. to joe diffie we all love joe diffie on this podcast so we hope you get better buddy yeah and joe uh, is a regular listener to the podcast um no <laughs> i no absolutely uh, i love uh love joe diffie and uh, you talk about uh talk about music i saw joe diffie in concert in Rock Rapids, uh last may um, so not very long ago, and uh, Joe's a guy who had a ton of hits in the nineties. Uh, John Deere Green, Prom Memphis has a jukebox if I die, Honky Tonk Attitude, uh, The Devil Dancing in Indie Pockets. I mean, yeah, shifts that don't come in probably be my favorite. Um, uh, bunch of great songs, great artists, and uh, definitely at sixty-one years old, uh, hopefully uh, he makes it through coronavirus uh, okay and is back out touring in, uh, in a few months. Yeah, I told you guys um, over the years, and that's what the city of Kannapolis does an excellent job having some uh, some concerts from May through, I guess, September, October, um, the typical outdoor concert season. And um, Joe Diffie has, has 
come to Village Park in Kannapolis and had the opportunity to see him. Uh, and a lot of uh, they've brought in some really, really um, reputable names um, that are on the, kind of the backside of their career, but still produce very good music. And um, for free. <laughs> no, and, and, and I've seen him, Delbert McClinton, and several well, others. Yeah. yeah, I remember one night you saw in Charlotte Rick Springfield. So I was like, nah, oh, Minneapolis. man. Minneapolis, yeah, Rick Springfield. Yeah, yep. Jesse Girl. Yeah, that was yeah, one of my for, for, whole for, time for favorite 80s. For 1,000 points, for 1,000 points, Bubba. Dave, I know you know. For 1,000 <laughs> points, Bubba. Rick Springfield was, of course, a music artist. But he was yep. better known for being a star on what television show? I know that. I know the character, too. Yeah. <laughs> Bubba, do you know the show? Did you know he no, was an actor? No, I, I did not. Um, I'm. I can't say if I if I know. Uh, I certainly don't know the show. But if I mean, you I'm, would know the show. You would know. I, the I was going to say I, yeah, I may know, know the, the show. show, but I didn't know Rick Springfield was on it. Rick Springfield was a was a heartthrob on General Hospital. He played okay. a doctor. He played Doctor Noah Drake. My grandmother, my dad's mom. Uh, both my grandmothers love soap operas. Uh, I'll never forget my my uh, mom's mom one time. She said uh, to shut me up. I was a, I was a, at East Carolina, and I went to visit her in Durham, and uh, it was the summer of '94. Uh, and uh, she said, "Let's see what Miss Chance was going to say." So <laughs> I was like, "Shut up right now." So uh, I was trying to visit with her, and she wanted to watch Young and the Restless. But both of my grandmothers were huge into uh, soap operas, and from like 12:30 to 4, you know. But you knew those times were you better find some other activities to do uh, because you're not going <laughs> to. So you were visiting Grandma, and Grandma said, shut up, Dave. I want to hear Miss Chancellor, basically. Uh, Let's see what Miss Chancellor has to say. <laughs> oh, God, the young and the restless. My goodness. Uh, I, uh, yeah, you know, it's we, funny. We're totally getting off subject. But when, uh, whenever I think of soap operas in the, the 80s immediately, that seems to be the, 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 the glory days of soaps. Yes. When, when they were stars meeting people at the mall. They had soap opera digest. Yes. And whenever I immediately think of Young and the Wrestlers, I think of one person, and that was uh, the character of uh, Danny Romilotti. And, uh, oh, yeah. The guy who Michael played Damien. Him, Michael Damien. Yeah, he actually put out a couple of, had a couple of pop hits, kind of like Rick Springfield. Uh, yeah. Something about blue jeans. I remember some crap. Yeah, he did the, the David Essex classic, Rock On. Yeah, Rock um, On. Something about blue jeans. He had some damn song about blue jeans, Dave. I swear to God. He did. Yeah, it was. So, Blue Jean, yeah. Baby Queen, uh, beautiful yeah, girl yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah exactly. Rock yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> rock on, dude. Yeah, the only <laughs> the only song I could think of uh, with Blue Jeans and right off the top of my head was, of course, El- Elton John. Yeah, Tiny Dancer. Blue Jean, baby. Um, yeah, you sound I, just like him. Yeah, thank you, thank you. How about, speaking of which, how about, guys. How about, uh, how about uh, Lord have mercy, baby's got her blue jeans on. I met Mel McDaniel, yeah, he's... Uh, uh, God rest his soul. He passed away about ten years ago, but uh, Mel was fantastic, and uh, he was actually older. Um, one good thing about him, I think the song came out in 1984. I think he was in his early 40s. And the great thing about those yeah, he days had a run was, there from from the from the mid 80s to the early 90s. What was the yeah. Louisiana Saturday Night? I guess would be as big as it. Yeah, and he. Um, he uh, he's one of those guys that you wish that country radio uh, in this particular case. There's some older folks that just because they're hey, older you, doesn't mean you do hear Louisiana Saturday Night. That that one will get you. You you well at least you did up until recently until mainstream country radio became complete garbage. Okay. Um, <laughs> you would hear Louisiana Saturday Night uh, pop up every now and then, like on uh, RNS 
yards. Right. But, uh, you know, now it's complete garbage. Well, anyway, let's, uh, you were talking about Olden John. I want to mention, too, since we're putting this podcast out for the weekend, if you're listening and it's before Sunday night at 9, they've got a really special thing on Fox they're doing where there's actually guys that all the artists are doing this on Facebook, so I guess they're taking it to the next level. Elton John is hosting it's a stay-at-home concert. Everybody's going to be at their own homes, and they're going to perform each. There's going to have a whole bunch of different performers, and that's on Fox tomorrow night, 9 until 10. So if you're, And it's also going to be on the Fox digital platform. So if you're looking for something to do, if you love music like we do, um, all three of us do. It's uh, that's going to be a lot of fun, and um, I guess that's the one thing, guys. Movies. I'm catching up on movies, and Kyle has been. Uh, he's always good about giving me some uh, great country, uh, great country outlaw country stars that unfortunately are not like you. Somebody getting the airplay, so I get to hear about them and some I rock stars too. Rock stuff this morning. Yeah, heard. I don't know if you listened to it or not. Not yet. I'm. Going, I I have plenty of time tonight on the way to uh, work. I got to do the work tonight. So I'm definitely, I saved it on purpose to listen on the ride there. So, well, speaking of which, uh, we I guess we need to run, but uh, what a great show. Uh, thanks to Trent Mista and Coach Mack. Uh, they were fantastic, along with my fellows Bubba and Kyle. Guys, stay safe. And uh, until next time, you've been listening to the Sports Objective Podcast. You've been listening to the Sports Objective Podcast. Join us next time as the guys will be objective, and the objective is sports.